0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sad. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. Not acceptable.
1: Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com.
2: It's like a radio station.
1: Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers.
0: pure Athlete yeah. i transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up.
1: And we are a full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe.
0: It's still real to me, damn
1: it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and let's not waste any time and get right into it. Talking about a 41-20 win over UTSA. What do I say, gentlemen? Good teams win, great teams cover. Mm -hmm. what the Longhorns did against the Roadrunners on Saturday. And maybe the last trip to Lubbock for a while, if not ever, We'll talk about that throughout this week's edition of the podcast. Again, I'm Jeff Howe. Horns 24-7 is where you can get the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news notes and nuggets. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. Get it at Horns 24-7. That's also where you can get this podcast. You can also get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. That's Horns two four seven. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review, and your continued support of what we've got going here on Longhorn Blitz is greatly appreciated. A couple of different ways to reach us. Uh, got some questions about interaction, and people want to be more interactive with the show. A couple of different ways you can reach us, at Longhorn underscore Blitz on Twitter. Just shoot us a DM there if you got a question. Or uh, at, uh, I'm sorry, Pod at gmail.com is the email if you want to reach out. We'll do old school. Just email responses if that's how you want to reach us. But uh, if you got a question or whatever, we do want to get better about that. That's one of my goals for this podcast for the next year is making sure we're doing better on the interactive stuff. They can hit me up too, Butler and Austin. Exactly, or uh, at Rod Babers, everybody always uh, shouts out Rod on Twitter. So let me bring in the rest of the team formally. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir?
3: Doing pretty well, man. And you uh, mentioned in covering right there, sort of put in my mind, Texas now 3-0 and against the spread. Mm-hmm. How about that, that's, uh? pretty That's the yeah. area you want to be. right.
1: Yeah. Forget culture, all that other stuff. When you start covering, when, when you start beating Vegas and doing well there, that means you're getting somewhere as a program. Exceeding expectations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, a man who uh he has high expectations, high expectations placed upon him and he never fails to meet them, regardless of what he's doing, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge each and every weekday on the Horn for 3-7. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that C-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, that makes you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your
2: program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Appreciate the intro, brother, as always. And, by the way, last time Texas started 3-0 and against the spread, 2008.
1: Wow. Been a ah. while. Mm-hmm. Actually
2: went 7-0 and to start the season in
1: 2008. The damn mm-hmm. good team. I like, where you're, I like where your mind is at today, Rod yeah. B. Rod, is that jacket fleece lined, or you just roll? Man, this is with so
2: it? old school, bro. This is just like I don't even like. Yeah, I, it is. Yes, it is. This just like one of the I mean it's like this is windbreaker. Nike. So it's uh it's definitely like 2001 cuz we did switch over from Reebok. That's oh, that's school. from your playing days. Oh yeah, dude. This was oh. like This was like part of some of the official gear. This is how old school this is. I think
1: that picture of you and Sims you're wearing it. I yeah, saw yeah, a recent yeah, exactly. picture.
2: This was considered cutting edge back then. I didn't know I mean, you Now it's like, Rod, right honestly
1: cuz we talked about some of your memorabilia like what you have. I didn't know you kept like windbreakers and stuff.
2: I did. All. I kept a lot of my like just the stuff the team stuff that of they gave course. us. Of course. Know, Though. I give a lot of that
1: stuff. It's a hell of a product place for Nike right there. See stuff lasts twenty years if you take care of it. Oh no, it's,
2: actual, it's like, I got a bunch of these. I got a bunch of my stove from skis and mm-hmm. Sims. I got theirs too. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, they my- give
3: you they used to give people tons of equipment.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're yeah, I don't know if they're that's a great point. I now I don't know if they're as gracious. They used to just give out that stuff mm-hmm. when we first got with Nike, but Things may have changed.
1: So and they, they want you guys weren't it all around campus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They want you to be a walking endorsement, walking yeah. billboard. Exactly. Uh, what Texas is a walking billboard for at this point, gentlemen, I guess can be, man, this team can handle some adversity. They can persevere a little bit. This team does seem like they're cut from a different cloth than mm-hmm. the 2021 squad. Um, I'll just start with this. Guys, I don't know how y'all felt. I wasn't nervous, sweating, panicked, freaked out, anything when Texas got down 10 points for a couple of reasons. One, we've seen Texas have those kind of lapses coming off of a game where you have some measure of success and the yeah. inability to carry it over. And I kept saying all week, man, is a quality team, and you were going to get their best shot. You were going to get, they were going to keep punching for 60 minutes. It might be like Rocky Balboa in the first Rocky movie where they <laughs> might lose the fight, but... You'll be really glad when it's over. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Trailer's team came out swinging, you know, really aggressive with the onside kick and the double pass. And Texas didn't play well at the start either. Rod, I'm not done with my rewatch yet, but PFF had Texas down for 15 missed tackles. I counted seven or eight on that first UTSA drive.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think you know Sark admitted that the team started slow, but once again, it's it's confirmation of the transformation of the team. You know, last year, this team, essentially a Kansas game kind of started out like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Texas did not really respond. The offense but the entire team did not respond. And then, obviously, we know the result of that. But shout out to Kansas because they kind of mm-hmm. propelled themselves now into a different stratosphere yeah. with that they Texas took, win. They took that
1: and then, win and they spun it into something. I yeah.
2: riding that from, to Applebee's endorsements yeah. to now at
3: the 3-0, whatever. But anyway, Let, I digress. Les Miles is still <laughs> yelling somewhere, see, I said right? he looks like
2: Cam Newton. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jalen Daniels. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. I'm sure, but uh, I I like it. Just like I like the way the Quinn Ewers story started, I want to see them battle adversity. I, I'm with you. I'm not concerned. I, I mean, they're a better team than UTSA over four quarters. Mm-hmm. That should play out. The coaching staff. I'm not worried about them getting upset by UTSA, but I did like the. I knew. Listen, and I love Casey Stutter. He always says football's a fight. Right? Just now, if it's a fight, you got to expect to get hit. That's a fight. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's a beatdown, you're just beating somebody up, then that's different. But if it's a fight, you're going to get hit. All right? I mean, boxers and fighters prepare to get hit Mm -hmm. and to get knocked down to get up. And for Texas, they got hit a couple of times. I love the the onside kick. I love the double pass. I mean, they laid a couple of shots against a couple of haymakers on Texas. And Texas was wobbly but I like the way they responded overall as a team. So, like I said, just like I saw Quinn, Ewers was battle adversity with his first couple of throws, the incompletion, then the interception here in Texas. And then I like the way he yep. responded. I like the way this team responded too. I wanted to see them battle adversity. Now they got, you know, going against Tech, another – another uh form of adversity they're going to play on the road at tech uh, an opponent that really despises and hates your brand and yeah as Sark said embrace the hate we'll see if they do that so I love that every game you know the adversity materializes in a different form and Sark has tried to communicate to the guys listen that's football guys that's football football in life same thing all right the adversity is coming it's inevitable it, 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 it's going to happen to you every day in some form or fashion. Some of them will be really big forms of adversity. Some will seem overwhelming at the time. But what you need to do, all right, is get the right attitude and the right mindset. And even to the point where you not only embrace the situation and the adversity, but you know that overcoming it and conquering it will ultimately build up your and contribute to your great football character and to your football culture. Yeah. Like that's the whole point of the football culture and don't don't so don't you know don't be afraid of the adversity you know uh, be confident that you Enjoy and your team it. and your skills and all that that's what that's what you have now at your disposal to overcome whatever those situations may be and I think they're starting to understand that oh no the adversity is coming oh no, no no we don't have to be shocked by it we don't need to be scared of it we don't need to let it let, you know let it be something that throws us into chaos, mm-hmm. uh, actually be something that we embrace. And once we look at it, once we identify, okay, guys, this is the, this is the adversity Coach was talking about. All right, let's go get it. Let's overcome it. Be what challenged. Do we do? And the coach will give you the necessary tools. He'll give you the scheme. He'll give you the tactics. And then you go out there and execute it. And if you do it, you can overcome the adversity. And I, I love it. Like I said, I, I love that I'm seeing it in different ways. We saw it every week. We've seen a different form of it.
3: Yep, and they've been a team that's responded to those challenges. Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah. type of thing that at times in the past you hadn't seen, and that's what's good about this group is being able to get that and get, you know, like last week added a ton of confidence, but even just going in this week and being able to execute what you want, and also to remember that, like, you played UTSA and UTSA coming into this game, say Bill Connolly had them as a top 60 team there, 59. They were sandwiched right between Missouri and Marshall, which beat Notre Dame. Like, that's a pretty respectable team, a team that coming into the week was the 24th best offense after the game, the 23rd best offense. So you're talking a top 25 offense that you're able to really defensively shut down after the initial Situation where you saw trailer great game planning. You had a couple breaks go their way, a couple big plays be made, and Texas's defense that's what I was most proud of was seeing because I got a lot of confidence in the Texas offense in Sark, even without, say, yours at quarterback. The amount of skill guys, Texas is elite and should be able to just make big plays there. But the fact that the defense is playing with confidence in making plays and flip like that, pick six mm-hmm. was a situation like we talked about where it's the luck, you know, it's preparation, meeting, opportunity. If If you aren't hustling to the ball or aware and then that ball's in front of you, you pick it off and it flips the game. The game goes from being less than a touchdown to being, oh, well, now the crowd's crazy. It's a double-digit lead and we have this momentum. We scored this many unanswered and that's sort of the type of – it reminded me, honestly, this final score finishing 41-20 sort of reminded me of those early Mac years and Mac days where a team, you might be a little bit worried, but you always know they're going to persevere. And over time, over the 60 minutes, being Texas, you should be able to stretch out and win. And in years past, we haven't seen that, but this game, it sort of played out that exact same way. And by the end of it, you knew who the better team was, clearly.
1: What I think was interesting is, let's start with the offense and going with Hudson Card. And look, we know two things. One, Hudson Card wasn't a hundred percent healthy going into this ball game, wasn't a hundred percent in the ball mm-hmm. game. And two, with all due respect to Sark, your offense is different when Hudson Card is your quarterback compared to when it's Quinn Ewers. I mean, I know, he he
2: wants to tell us otherwise, but it's okay. I understand yeah. what he's doing and you know what? Good for him for He's trying to pump up Hudson Carr. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't yeah, want to yeah, hurt it. He understands what confidence for a quarterback I get. means. Exactly. So go do your thing. Yeah, your thing, Sark.
1: But I felt like you know they tried some deep shots. They were one for five on passes thrown twenty yards or more. And
2: I believe I believe they started out the game with like two or three of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two on the first drive. Two on the first drive, go, right?
2: Man. So I think Sark understands. All right, you know what? I have to. I got to. I got to make these teams pay for trying to stack the box against Bijan. It's what and you've been the, preaching and for the, Exactly. The natural way is, you know what? I'm just going to chunk it deep. And you know what I always say: if I if I was a coach, man, I chunk it deep early. No, the first drive, I probably throw two or three of them. There you just, go. Just just to keep just to keep defenses honest. And once you plant that seed, that safety backs up, that corner backs up, opens up a ton every more. Every game, ULM the he did it,
3: Bama he did it, yeah, and in this exactly. Game, every game he so understands
2: now, especially with losing Isaiah Nayor, you lost that threat. Yeah. And I think he was the representation. And then losing of
3: that. Quinn, you come out with Card. They may be thinking, oh, no, now they aren't stretching the field, and he still goes yeah, and does it. We gonna do it. But what I yeah.
1: like they did, Rod, is is a lot of that game was and there were some decisions or there was one uh one play i can't remember what what point in the game it was but it might have been on the drive right before the end of the first half mm-hmm. where Jatavian sanders actually gets loose down the seam and if hudson pulls the trigger when you think he probably should it's a touchdown like Jatavian sanders was wide open he held onto the ball a little bit too also long what's the result of the play uh i think he it was either a throwaway or a scramble for them okay. mm-hmm. I think it was a throw. Yeah. I think it ended up being a throwaway. I think I remember the play. You're um, about. But what I like overall is you look at most of Hudson Card's throws. Most of them were within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and according to Pro Football Focus, eight for nine. On passes behind the line of scrimmage. So, and what do we talk about? What are the strengths of Hudson Card? One, read stuff, simple stuff. Get the ball out of his hands quick. not to say he can't process, but he's such, he's much more of an effective quarterback when he knows exactly where he's going with the he's football. Two
3: point six nine seconds this year, much better than last year. That's, That's why good. I like of the one read stuff, Jeff's yep. talking about. That's, That's why I like
1: the go-go yeah. concepts with him too, where your mesh point manipulation, your cross action in mm-hmm. the backfield. It's an easy way, know, the, the the natural rub. It's an easy way to get a back open in the flat and just get a, get Bijan and Rochon in space and just let them go work. That's
2: exactly what they did yeah. uh, with the two back sets a lot of the times, and with the misdirection in the backfield, uh, kind of the, you know uh, the split flow at time. I mean, I really did like the what they did with Hudson because I thought, and this is gonna seem like a disrespectful term because quarterbacks don't like it. it, it mm. He's a game manager.
3: He managed the game well. Right,
2: and I think that Sark turned him into a game manager. People don't like that aspect of it, but that's what I think he liked about Hustling Cards' game anyway. And I always said game manager isn't necessarily, you know, I, I think that it's really more of a stage in the development of a quarterback. I think every quarterback's got to learn how to manage a game, mm-hmm. You know, right, before yep. you become – you know, whatever you're gonna be, you gotta learn how yeah. to manage a game. So I think it's part of like a, it's part of the process mm-hmm, of become, becoming an elite quarterback overall. And some because it's an early stage mm-hmm. of the quarterback development, people don't like to be called a game manager because they they think of it as disrespectful and as a slight meaning you have a really low ceiling as a quarterback. Yeah, Like this
3: is who you are. Yeah, but it's, but it's
2: not No, you to be a game manager, I think it's just a skill you need to have. Um, but quarterbacks think it's like a quarterback slur. But I'll say it about Huston Card. He is an excellent game manager right now, and that's what the team needs because you got enough talent around you with Bijan Rojo, X-Man, J. Witt, Hellman, and J.T. Sanders. They, those guys can go help you. They can make plays. That's, down
1: your, that's your core on offense. Yeah, those yeah, guys
2: will make plays. Like and offense line is playing decent year. enough. Yeah, those guys will make plays. You just can't don't, – don't screw it up, mm-hmm. right, by overreaching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, I, and, and I think they don't put Hudson Card in that position.
3: Because if you're elite, once you get to that point of elite, you're blowing people out. You don't have to be in these close games, which you maybe have to manage the game and actually care about the situation. When the game's close, those valuable plays, those turnovers, stuff like that, they hurt you even more so. And that's why, like, when you explain the skill set or of our skill guys and how elite they are, it reminded me of what Stetson Bennett has only been a game man- manager his whole career. And then he's mm-hmm. able to manage their way to a championship, and now he's playing quite Elite level and actually making plays, and he has a skill set quite similar to yeah. Hudson Cards So you can he's, sort he's of see that, that stage. develop. He's yes. past that stage, exactly. Like, yeah,
1: and I think take a guy like Stetson Bennett. I think he understands. You know what? Of all the plays in the playbook, I don't have to do a whole lot because if we can get the ball to Brock Bowers in space and mm-hmm. let him work, that's that's the best thing I can do for this offense. Yeah, now he has a cannon like viewers. Like yeah, he doesn't have to go be you know Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, just, just do you. And I think, Rod, to, to your point about game manager, I think it, to me, another way to put that is, is if, if I'm a coach, if I'm a play caller like Sark and I say my guy's a game manager, I'm just minimizing the number of of times in a game where mm-hmm. you have to go, you're going to have to go make a play.
2: Yep, you over and being overburdened. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And he's going to do that. There are times where he just got to go make a play. It's like the Cooper s- Rush with the Cowboys, the second like,
1: and the second and twenty-two, the <laughs> second <laughs> and twenty-two when he had to scramble. He did he it go make a play too. Yeah.
2: And he went, yeah, exactly. Yep. So we've seen and we've seen him do that. We see him do mm-hmm. it against Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so we know he can do it. But I'm with you. It's a great way of saying it. Minimize those 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 opportunities, though. Yep. You don't sure. want to have too many of those.
1: Uh, let's talk about the two-back stuff, Rod, because I asked Bijan and Roshan about it on Monday, and they both mm-hmm. said, yeah, they're just scratching the surface of what they yeah. can do with the two-back stuff. Just the beginning of it. Bijan's like, I wish we were more 30 personnel, because he said if you get all three of us out there, he's like, how's the defense going to stop that?
2: At 30 uh, is nasty. At and, 31 is nasty. And mm-hmm. I just
1: I just like the fact that, you know, Sark – and and Roshan didn't want to fully admit it, but he's like, yeah, he's like, that is some of Coach Marion's stuff, what they were doing the other oh, night. Yeah. Because if you watched – if you watch the go go offense or study Brennan Marion, I mean it is it is some of the stuff they're doing. Uh I just love the play Roshan scored. They ran they ran the same play twice.
3: Yeah, right before it, but changed the personnel. They did They changed the personnel. Do you,
1: do you yeah. know where I've seen that play more often than I would care to admit? I used to run that with Texas in the old EA Sports on the old <laughs> NCAA video game. Seriously, with Vince Young and and the <laughs> backs just like fake it at the mesh point, let the backs cross up, and then mm-hmm. whichever one is open in the flat. You hope it's to the field side because he's got more space to work with, but whichever side of the field he's open on, just throw it to the open guy and let yeah. him go work.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, he's got – I, I will tell you right now, I, if if they are truly incorporating the go-go offense, man, I would say right now we've seen probably – 10% about to say that. of what they could, they could throw yeah. out there potentially. Uh, with By the way, we're talking about in combination with Sark's offensive brilliance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the Brendan Marion, Go-Go offense that I've studied. It's got a ton of strange, unorthodox formations and uh, plays and play designs. Uh, that's kind of the... One of kind of its signatures is that it's funky formations and funky play designs. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of it right now. And it is old school. It's a triple option run game. Yeah. So that's why it makes sense with Rojo and the Wildcat and the Roche Cat, whatever you want to call it. It's a triple option run game, but a West Coast passing game, Mm -hmm. which is why Sark can now pass out of it and use a lot of passing concepts because they essentially, at their at their foundation, they are the same passing game because the West Coast is the yeah, West Coast. You can
3: marry game. them together. Yeah, It's very easy to do that. And easy on to that touchdown them. run was cool just because that first play they ran right before, it's just your standard card at quarterback. But then uh, you get Card to go out at wide receiver and then it becomes the Wild Johnson and they run the same play, but you end up having that advantage that you get because, I mean, I know you probably aren't throwing it to Hudson Card, but he's a good enough athlete. You got to at least stick a corner out there, but now the numbers games is flipped and instead of wasting card handing off to a fullback Rojo that's going for the lead block ends up being just a perfect little zone read that those two can play against each other and it was funny seeing that considering like both those guys in high school one play quarterback and one play wide receiver and that's what they're doing in that formation
1: to your point Matt about if the quarterback is uncovered Rod you've been a gunner before that's no different than a fake punt right if they're going to leave the gunner uncovered then Sometimes your fake punt call is, hey, Gunner, if you're uncovered, just start running down the field. We'll snap it. Yeah. 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 If the ball gets snapped, you just start running. Well, everybody's
2: still waiting on the passing dimension of the Wildcat. we Rosecat, whatever you want to call it. We know yeah. they got it. We know it's there. And at one point, somebody's going to see it. We just don't know. I'm thinking Texas OU. I just don't know what game you're going to break. I just zone. wonder what game yeah. he's thinking about. Yeah. This is the perfect game for the Rosecat pass or whatever it's going to be. But um, you can start to see they're getting way more comfortable, you know, with the two, how many of Two multi tailback sets. Because yep. now they're doing 30 and 31. But what I love about it is, you know, it goes back to something I, I think you're starting to see more of at the NFL. I don't know if it's trickled down or trickling up. But and I know Sark's, he's a big fan of the Shanahan system mm-hmm. and the Shanahan coaching tree. All those guys, they, they present these power packages and then they pivot to these passing principles. And I think you know he, you're going to look see these power personnel packages. Anytime you got two tailbacks, that's twenty-one. Hell, mm-hmm. thirty personnel. Um, you can do a lot of funky stuff out of there, especially when you throw it because the your matchups are going to be favorable all yeah, right. across the board. You're probably going to get one-on-one matchups on the outside. Yeah, because think Guys about like X Man and Jay Witt. And hell, if Jay Witt had a, I mean, a few guys remember it was a it was a two tailback set. I believe it's twenty personnel. If I'm not mistaken, I got to look at my notes. And no, it's twenty-one. It's 21, actually. Um, and it was a play-action pass to Jay Witt. Long rainbow cross Yes. Over. Yes. Beautiful play. Like mm-hmm. 26 yards. I think it's the the, the the longest play he mm-hmm. had, actually. longest yeah. receiving play he had. Out of 21 personnel, two tailback mm-hmm. sets. I know they're just starting to, to get into it, but I'm telling you, you're going to start seeing some shots out of those multi-tailback sets. It yeah. only makes sense to get some of your— Remember last year, I did the math on it. I mean, your most successful— passing personnel package in terms of yards per attempt and completion percentage where your two tailback sets yeah, yeah.
3: and uh, you bringing up the power packages that get the passing offense to come in the NFL teams in the last two games uh, you watch of the Broncos and of the Seahawks you see Andrew Beck and Jeff Swain catching these passes downfield all yep. the time because nobody's, guarding, nobody's them, guarding them and they're the guy that's known to be breaking or blocking so you're breaking tendencies and then you're getting this guy that you know no, no they never throw to him no, we don't don't even have to guard that guy. And then Texas with the ability – because Jatavian's always in. He almost never leaves the field because he's such a good blocker. But having a guy like him that if you can think about in the goal line where oh. you have – twenty Ooh. or thirty. And they tried to hit him
2: in the red zone yep. a, a couple of times in a, in two games already, right? Mm-hmm.
1: They tried to the fade, which uh and the, I know, the middle I, of the field. I they tried the middle of the field man. one too. Yep. They've
3: tried to hit him in the red A zone. couple yeah. of them. And if you think about these packages, like in the opening weeks, you saw a lot of helm out there. If you, you could go like a 32 personnel and you and could still get spread them out and still have yeah. Bijan and we saw Keeling go downfield yeah. Rojo's a great receiver Jatavian I and mean. I assume Helm's a decent one if you show that and they're going to be bringing in power and and bringing shift, in a goal line package sh- sh- it, it yep <laughs> it's amazing talk and
2: about shift they will shift their pants
3: <laughs> and that was the one against Bama <laughs> whenever they had that like showed Diamond but then shifted back Ooh, to like almost an inverted
2: wishbone
3: yeah. and ended up being one of those runs that I thought they were going to do something out of that play that same way but that's just something that you can get so many great mismatches because oh. you almost got to bring in a goal line defense when you see that personnel package there and then you get Bijan against like a best case scenario for them a linebacker a safety
0: Oof. yeah, yeah exactly. Sark,
1: Sark with this personnel he's got again like Gunnar Helm Matt of the guys you mentioned he's obviously the one we still don't really know the full scale of Gunnar Helm's skill set mm-hmm. but you can, you can be in 12 personnel and man you can we've seen it they've gone 12 personnel with some bunch formations and I'm like Okay, that makes sense. I trust me, I've seen Texas offenses with much worse personnel try to get more expansive. And so okay. you want to go bunch formation and, and you know, highlight your tight ends. I got no problem or with that. Or Jay
3: Wit, the way Rod brought up Jay Wit because Jay Wit's such a good blocker that he's the guy that easily could come one. in on, you know, some type of 21 or 21 or 31 and then have Wit and if you want to keep X-Man out there, but Wit can basically perform as a blocking tight end because he blocks so well, but then he's the type of guy that can totally yeah. burn you.
2: If I'm not mistaken, this is what's the beauty of my obsession, you know, with Empty last year um or sorry, 2 years ago when you're at Bam Bam Sam, right? You go mm-hmm. empty formation with Bam Bam Sam and say you do have the perfect defense card, you cover everything up, you still can't account for that guy. It's like Rojo so yeah. you know running. Run and well that's what Card did it with out of empty when yeah. they had the they had twelve personnel out there. The mm-hmm. thirty two yard scramble. Mm-hmm. I believe they're an empty and they they're twelve yeah. personnel if I'm not mistaken. They are. And they, they 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 figure he's first of all he's gimpy. There's no way he's gonna run. He don't run like that anyway. even though they don't know that he can run, run. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trailer shit. So trailer knew that, but I think they thought he was gimpy, so we don't have to worry about mm-hmm. him. Spread him out, man. It was just it was clear it was just clear grass ahead. Yeah. yeah. There's nobody there to account for him. So I think even doing that every now and then it'll always help you because. I think Texas could, could almost in some ways be indefensible with the amount of skill talent they have, but with the versatility they could deploy with it. For yep. you sure. Know I mean? They could always put the defense in a position where they're wrong. That's yeah. where Jatavian, if you look at the snap
3: counts, Texas had 61 snaps. He was the skill guy on the field the most, 58. And that's because he's in block. I mean, he only ran 15 routes. Yeah. On those 58 snaps. He yeah, they He's like him as a blocker. At nine times and then 34 times. He's earning his
1: keep times. as a blocker right now. They like yep. him as a blocker. I mean, you think then, about that. Jatavian did... Sanders, sorry, Matt, but Jatavian Sanders was one of your most impactful players on offense mm-hmm. in a game where he had one catch for five yards. Yep.
3: Yep. Yep. And you yeah. had Whittington, the second most of all the skill guys. He was out there 52 because he's out there for his blocking ability. Whittington actually only ran 22 routes and stayed in pass blocking on four and run blocked on 26 plays, which is a ton. This stuff.
1: got brought up on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. And, Rod, I don't know if I'm out of pocket for answering it this way. Matt, you guys tell me. Uh-oh. They asked, when's the last time we had a tight end like Jatavian Sanders and we, mean in Texas, Never. had a tight end like Jatavian Fox Sanders who could be effective as a this was this effective as a blocker and pose this kind of receiving threat I'm like legitimately Probably David, David Thomas, Thomas. because Jermichael Finley it. would even probably tell you Finley wasn't a great blocker. Well, really and David blocker.
3: Thomas wasn't this as a freshman sophomore. You know, like it took time for D Tom to develop, and like by senior by 0-4-0-5 he was at this level. But like Jutabian honestly, is young.
1: Probably a healthy Blaine Irby might really be the the, mm-hmm. the last time if you want to get technical about it before so, like
3: three games He shredded pro, his knee. Eight. Yeah,
1: no, maybe before yeah. he shredded his knee in the rice right game. But yeah, it probably was David, David Thomas in oh four and five. I'm agree. Which that David Thomas both skate run Texas. Yeah,
2: no, and that I don't even know if Texas has had a better tight end group than when you had David Thomas and Boskies. Yeah, 04. Yeah, that 04 team. If you can I mean if you can develop this group you got, you might be at least in contention cuz you got JT Sanders for at least two more years.
1: Ron, yeah. I, I <laughs> never and a lot of Texas people well, never got to see a healthy Boskave. No. Like how what kind of weapon was a healthy Boskave? Oh,
2: no, when 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 skis first came, it was lining them up outside. Like yeah. he like they just straight up lined them up. They they'd go uh, two by three by one formation and they'd line him up over there and just run a fade to him.
1: Yeah, like he, was he was a
2: pitcher, that yeah, a like He was a straight up freak. Like yeah. And so it, I remember I remember when that was happening and then as he kept getting hurt, it became more of a traditional tight end. But when he first came here, dude, that dude was a certified freak. I, I don't even I mean I don't even He might have been A five star tight end If I'm not mistaken I don't
1: think You guys had star rankings At that okay, point But yeah. if y'all did He, he would a, he have been He was all one, world man
2: yeah. He really was And he still ended up Making it After three knee surgeries played for a decade
1: <laughs> He <laughs> <Right>? did <laughs> three knee surgeries he, he got the franchise the Both kids got the franchise Tag right, was at one say, point like, yeah. man,
2: That dude was, was cool. It's awesome Yeah he was limping He was gimpy And limped up The whole entire NFL career I've tried. Still did it for ten years
1: <laughs> I've tried to quell My excitement about Jatavian Sanders Because whether it's been Durham Smythe, or Ricky Seals Jones, or Devinair Clarington or DeAndre McNeil, or just go down the list of guys that we potentially talked about this program recruiting or getting in the fold since we've been doing this podcast. Rod, the five-tool tight end for us on Longhorn Blitz, he's the five-tool tight end has been the unicorn, endangered species. We haven't we not found At him all, yet.
2: Man. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. I mean, it's as close as we've. We've got to it.
1: Yeah, the closest. Um,
2: and it took, what, a five-star prospect and a five- <laughs> who who wanted to play offense. Who, just, who yep. Most people said, hey, man, I think he should play defense. He's a first-round, second-round prospect potentially playing defense. I
1: thought that, too, until I saw him in person.
2: He's like, I want to play offense. His ball skills.
1: His, his ball skills. His hands. His, mm. There's no other way to describe his hands other than he's just a guy with – Rod, I don't know if this is like a simpleton explanation – but just strong hands, like oh, no. when the ball is in the air, like it is his. I've
2: seen his one-handed catches. Yep. Him. He, he's like got some strong hands. It's just—it's not him. It's more the tight end position, the value of it. I'm talking about premium position, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he was a pass rusher, that's a premium position. You get paid a lot, no more. doubt about it. NFL, pl- NFL clubs and execs, they just prioritize that. They don't prioritize tight ends as much. They think tight ends, you go find as a project. I'll oh, give mm-hmm. me a guy that played basketball. I'll turn him into a great tight end. Yeah. So that's what it's more about. It's more about yeah. the premium positional value, yeah. and that's why you're like, man, I think you should go play defense. But if your heart's not on the offensive side of the ball, go play. Go play offense, man. That's what, yeah. you, what you're passionate If is. you love it, yeah. Love it. Gonna, and, you're going to be better at it. And your head coach is an, he's a play caller and offensive mind. He's like uh, a five star prospect who's a raw athlete. Yeah, I'll take him. Sign yeah, him. me up. <laughs>
1: right? Offensive yes, coach.
2: He's on
3: my side. You know, uh, Charlie when, Strong, maybe you've been like, yeah, give him a defense. Exactly.
1: When you say heart's not in it, I'll, I'll never forget covering a Texas practice in 04. It was the 04 preseason camp. And Eric Foreman, who was going to be, the, I think, the starting Sam linebacker on mm-hmm. that 04 defense. And I was like, "Man, why is he working with the quarterbacks?" And Mac oh. had a post-practice back. This is back when you could cover practice. Mm-hmm. Mac had a post-practice availability, and he said, "Eric Foreman said he wanted to be a quarterback. We made it very clear you're going from a first team position to a fourth team position. But if that's where he wants uh-huh. to play, we're not going to stand in his way. We're going <laughs> to let him be a quarterback." Like behind Vince, Chung. what year
2: was that? 04. Well, wow, there you go. Yes, yeah, see, that was what almost twenty years ago. And K- so it's
1: Vy yeah, it's Chance, in- Mock Nordco, and then there's Eric Foreman.
2: 'Cause he because uh, the it, the guy, what did VY always say the, the quarterback gets all the girls, gets all the grief too. The guy, hey, he wants all the girls. So mm, you gotta deal I with think, the grief, I, man. I think
1: Eric Former was seeing was trying to follow that Norco plan at that point, maybe. <laughs> hey,
2: that's why yeah. Norco stayed there. As
1: we as we've said many times, and I love talking nostalgia Texas football with a bat and rod, but man, I don't know that any Texas football player in the modern era in the eighty five scholarship era of the program. Had more fun during their time on the forty than Matt Norgren.
2: I'm let me. I'm trying to rack my brain, but you are right. You are right. right. <laughs> but you know what? I will say this. Everybody, everybody got to play their part. When everybody wants to decompress after the game, mm-hmm. when you didn't want to make plans. We hit up Norco. Yeah. There you go. Norco make sure everything was set. It was a recruiting uh, we'll sure weekend. There. His, we'll make sure you guys, we got the rooms, and everything. His whole know. life was a recruiting weekend. Essentially. So I will say that about Norco. He did his part,
1: Dan. I want to, I want to. <laughs> while we're on the yep. subject of the offense, we talked about the two-back stuff. And, Matt, one number, it's not great, but this kind of bleeds into the offensive line stuff. Jatavian Sanders does too because you go back and watch the seven, eight-yard touchdown run by Bijan, you know, you run kind of that where you're pulling. Uh, I don't remember if they pulled the off guard, but I know they, obviously they pulled the uh, the tight end coming across yeah. from the formation. Oh, the seventy-eight yarder. Yeah, Taven yeah. Sanders did a great job he just sealing job that, one kicking one. out and yeah. create helping create the alley. Christian Jones did a good job too, Matt. In this game, not great, but much better than the negative point one yard Texas had before contact oh, yeah. per rushing attempt against Bama. Uh, 2.3 yards per rushing attempt before contact. Yeah, and that's for Texas better in this game.
3: than uh, against ULM. It was 1.2. according 2. to Bill Conley
1: at ESPN, by the way.
3: Exactly. So, like, you were able to improve upon that because I'd say their line of scrimmage is probably better than ULM's, and you were only at 1.2 against ULM. So, to be able to have that, that's much improved.
2: The running game is a work in progress. That's obvious. Yeah. I think that I have low fans who are paying close attention. It's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. But you're so talented. Yeah. At the running back position that I think it, it, may, it, compen- it compensates and makes up for your lacking right now that you may have in your run blocking. And by the way, you're, you're elite at uh, your wide receiver run blocking too. Yeah. Yes, Williams those team. guys get after and it, Kane. Man. That's Kane why Cain and, and get after it, man. They do. Yeah. Uh, X
1: will on occasion too. You'll see Worthy out there. Yeah, we'll no, like, no, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> not. I'm not
2: disrespecting X Man. Yeah. You're right about that. But they they do a great job on the perimeter yeah. as well. And if you look at the Texas backs right
3: now, as a whole, the team is averaging 4.69 yards after contact per attempt. Wow. You know And so it. if you're marrying together, even against Bama negative one but you're getting 4.7 mm-hmm. after contact yep. now when you get 2.3 you add that 4.7 you're getting seven per rush and individually Bijan's exactly at the team average 4.69 roshan is at 5.10 again ahead of Bijan, which he was slightly ahead of last year and then jonathan brooks mostly all week one but
1: 5.5 what's interesting rod about the wide receiver blocking uh Bernard marion talked about this he did a, a field demonstration Mm. lecture at coaching school, and he did a Twitter space uh, before – I think it was before camp started where he's talking about this. The Texas wide receivers, the only time they do blocking drills is the first day that they're in pads.
2: Oh, so like early in the week?
1: No, period. The first day in camp that they're in pads, they do blocking drills. He doesn't do blocking drills the rest of the time. It's almost like we're going to do these drills and just understand from this point forward – Blocking is an it's a non negotiable you will block or you won't play.
2: Um, but he doesn't work on it technique wise. No. I guess that's maybe he believes that trauma-wise. some coaches believe this it's more like basically that's something more about hustle and attitude. Yeah, uh, that's, I mean, not a, that's not a technique issue Effort I can only Yeah, that's effort I can't really uh, You know, if I, I could You know, do drills To make sure the guys' hands Are in the right place uh-huh. And all uh, this kind of NBA stuff NBA uh, rebounding they have drive You know, but for the most part He believes it's about effort yeah. That it's about intensity It's about passion So just go How badly do you want to block? I believe his saying is You know, what you do Without the football Shows how much you love your teammates Yeah um and blocking is something you do without the football. Yeah. That's
3: something you hear NBA coaches talk about rebounding is the same type of way. Yeah. It's an effort thing, 50-50 balls. Those things yeah. like you get those by effort, not necessarily technique. You know, you got to this level because your skill is so high and then if you go out there and play with that meter at 100% you should be able to do those rudimentary aspects of the game. Yeah, I agree with that actually. That is
1: Yeah. And that's where I'm like just, in never, the lower
2: levels of football, yeah, it's I, important to I've seen a lot of guys practice and I think you probably should practice it more, but they're doing a great job. Yeah,
3: yeah and if you great don't want to do it, maybe not practice because of the trauma, possible injuries, maybe it's Could something be. along those lines. I, think, and I then, think it's
1: I think it's twofold. He hasn't come out and said this. This is just me trying to figure trying to get inside Brennan Marion's head. I think it's twofold. One, I don't I don't want to waste any of my individual periods. I want to work on making you guys complete receivers, do a footwork, hands, the whole deal mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of catching the ball. How you do, you know, your release after the catch, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. And two, I think now you just pop on the game tape, and he can say, "You see what Jay Witt does? That's what I want everybody in this room doing." Yeah. That's how you block.
2: Yeah. No, it's that's uh, interesting. Yeah. That, it's just, it's whatever he's doing is working.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I want the man here, so I'm not gonna question his methods.
1: But getting back to the guys <laughs> that are charged with their primary jobs are to block us the offensive line. And I agree with you, Rod. The run game is a work in progress. For sure, it's not great.
2: Yeah, it's not a dominant. It yet. wasn't
1: dominant by any stretch against UTSA. They had some problems. UTSA was moving stuff. They were running bare front at one point, just throwing a lot because of a, stuff.
2: A pretty good run defense. Though. Yeah,
1: they were right. throwing. I think coming into the game, I think PFF had them graded. Uh, they were top twenty run defense. Yeah, to PFF they haven't
2: allowed the a rusher to have over one hundred and fifty yards since twenty twenty. Bijan was the first. I mean, they
1: held <laughs> Army to three and a half yards a carry. Yeah, that's, which,
0: that's like, exactly. Which like if you're
1: if you're facing if you're they're running the ball and teams are running, I don't care who it is, triple option or not. Someone's running on you fifty-four times. I only really averaged three and a half a pop. You're you're holding your own. You're doing yeah. pretty. good. I would
2: say they were trying to get physical. I think that's why Sark told Bijan, "Hey man, I need you mm-hmm. to run them over yes. because they were actually setting the tone physically in the run game. Yeah. Yep. They were bringing the hammer on those tackles, uh, and I think Sark got a little upset about that. Like, hey man, I want you. Matter of fact, you, I want you to deliver the blow. I'm yeah. tired of them delivering Be the smooth. blows to us. You go deliver the blow.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh. This will be the Roshan Johnson appreciation part of this podcast. Roshan did that from the he, jump. Oh,
2: that's, that's Rojo's style. Mm-hmm. Rojo's he's, style is the That's his love. life. I think yeah. we talked about this. <laughs> like,
1: he – you've seen those guys, right? He runs
2: angry. Mm-hmm. Like he's mad at the grass. There
1: is – yeah, there is no – there's no finesse. There is no – it is, uh, to reverse the expression that I like to use sometimes, he is all steak, no sizzle. Like, it is <laughs> – Yep. I agree with that. No, Those with guys it.
3: that like to hit, like you can tell Stuttered always like to hit people. Like the, yeah. And that's the thing. Ro, not every running back. Like the same way that Bijan had to be reminded by Sark to run people over, you don't go out and remind Roshan to run people over. That's mm-hmm. just all he's ever doing. Now, it's understandable with Bijan having the skill set he does. He thinks he can run around everybody because he can do that. But Roshan, that's just a, one of his core virtues.
1: I think that's what – well, I'll give Roe credit. Like he's perfected the hurdle. Like I know sometimes you tell Sorry, backs, like nice. tell ball carrier, do not leave your feet. Yeah, but I think his run style helps him, Rod, because you see. If you're a corner or a nickel or a safety trying when to I'm tackle so him in the open field, you got to come to balance and be ready to make yeah. contact. Well, when you do that, it's okay. Now I'm gonna go over you. Yeah, well, I'm and, just going over I think the you top.
2: think because he runs kind of high that you think, oh man, he's. That's, he's I'm gonna get oh, him. I gotta get. I, I gotta, gotta
1: grab him by the thighs. I'm gonna yeah, get him. Yeah, down. I'm be good.
2: And like, he, man, he he is. He does a. He does a great job of being able to set guys up. He yeah. set guys up really nicely, really well. Because yeah. he's not. He doesn't have the moves of Bijan. No. Like, he doesn't have the moves. He doesn't really have. He does great footwork. He understands the angles too, though. Yeah, but like, he he sets guys up really, really yeah. well, man. It's,
1: He's not a Roshan's not a graceful runner. Like you that's see, that's a so.
2: great point. I yeah. agree with that. It's not graceful. But, but it's, it's effective. <laughs> it's with a purpose. And
3: also like he when he's running and he can tell a guy maybe has him, he can put that foot in the ground, change direction, and do it in a point where it's not expected. Like where you sort of think this guy's gonna be a straight line runner, but he can actually do more than just run you over. Yeah.
1: But you know, getting back to the point about the offensive line, uh they're not they're not a great line right now, but right now they don't have to be a great line. They just don't as long as they're not terrible. And through three games, the mm-hmm. offensive line hasn't been terrible. No. so what's allowed the offense to stay afloat.
2: Considering you have two true freshmen, honestly, I would say mm-hmm. it's been good. it's been actually good. Because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about the red development and of grandma. your true freshman. <laughs> and you a guy in Hayden Conner who guys. didn't start
1: a game last year, the three starts he's gotten so far yeah. his first three Considering starts.
2: Considering you, the youth and inexperience on the line overall, I think it's actually been good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe the run blocking will get better, and I think that's kind of for them, that's a huge point because I think the identity of the offense, and even Sarkin said this, is going to be running back touches either way. Um, but Sarkin, Sarkin, coach around pass protection issues. I mean, he did it last year, and I think he's done it relatively well this year. He does, he does, you know, he does a lot of stuff. These just to be the what I'm starting to call. I'm gonna call it the. Uh, the bully ball package, because he wants to play bully ball, the 6 line package, yeah. or the, you can call it big 12 package, because it's technically, I guess, Carrick is supposed to be a big tight end. Hmm. Um, but that's a brilliant strategic move about, you know, hey, man, what if we just sure up the offensive line with another offensive lineman? We're, we don't necessarily have to outnumber opponents with our skill guys. Our skill guys are so damn good. They can beat. Mm -hmm. sometimes even guys were when they have a safety over the top of them or they roll coverage their way and I am good enough to scheme guys open and and create space and leverage so I think and, and go look at a lot of their big plays Come out of that six-o line package. If you notice in, in the
1: passing game, a lot of the deep shots they take are out of that six-o. They're like, package. we got
2: a little bit more time, and then mm-hmm. we can get some of those rainbow crosses. He'll use his pre-snap motions and the shifts and the bunch formations to get guys free releases. Sarks, he's really he's really confident in his ability to scheme guys open, but also really confident in. You know, X-Man's ability to make plays and yeah. Jay Witt's ability to make plays uh, and JT Sanders' ability to make plays, even if the defense has the numbers advantage in the passing game. So I think he figures the time matters more in the passing game for him. That's why he'll take those deep shots out of that six O line yeah. package, that bully ball package. So I like what I like what they're doing to make sure that the offensive line is on the right path. All right mm-hmm. of development. Well, and oh. then
3: adding not only six alignment at times, but I mean Sanders blocks almost like a lineman too. So when you add him yep. to the fact, you That's just get that keep effect. him in. Yeah. been keeping him in. Yeah, he played yeah. the most like, fifty uh, eight of sixty.
2: Like
1: well, you guys know how I feel about Max Protect. I and there, was that, t- yeah. there was a time on that first drive where Sark they went max times protection times. and he kept Jatavian Sanders and Roshan Johnson in and I'm like Less of that, more of something else, anything else, just less yeah. of that.
2: No, I, I, I don't I, think he yeah. did
1: it again, which I'll, like give him, I'll give him credit for that. At least, and I shouldn't down. at least had the
3: back shipping nine times.
1: <laughs> and I shouldn't get so butthurt about seeing it once or twice in a game. Stuff happens, but well, and guys, that's the thing about it, max like Max Protect these is the devil
3: to degrees, like overarching Max Protect is something that's been proven that you don't need to do as much. But it's not an absolute as if you should never do it now. So like that, yeah. that's where you sort of live in between with a lot of these analytics that show you what the better move is. But that also doesn't mean you should never do the other thing because there are other purposes to it.
1: I'll t- tell you guys this, man. Some some years the off- there's an offensive lineman who as a media member just becomes kind of your favorite guy. When you see him walk into the availability, you're like, all right, it's going to it's gonna be a good one. David Snow was like that. Donald Hawkins was like that. Christian Jones is becoming like that. And the more time we're around him, it seems like this offensive line, and Rod, you've been in, a, in that locker room. You know how critical it is for that group. It seems like those guys genuinely like each other. Like they like hanging out together. They like yeah, being around each other. I agree with that. Um, to the point where, so i I just said because Christian Jones told us this after the game on Saturday. So Friday – before the game, one of the team activities they went to go see Top Gun: Maverick, and I guess it's just being hopped up on call signs, but mm-hmm. they're getting back on the bus. And Christian Jones says he's sitting down. And Hayden Connor walks by. And he goes, "Bro, we need code names on the old line. Everybody, everybody needs a call sign." Oh,
2: that is cool. So yeah. they Top all, gun, all five could.
1: of all five of the starters have call signs going left to right. You got Bankroll, Kelvin Banks. He's Bankroll. <laughs> Hayden Connor's Cornbread.
2: Okay, because well, I, I know bankroll. That's obvious. What's cornbread? His it the Hayden, origin Hayden Connor's Genesis? dad
1: played ball at UNT, and that was his nickname in college.
2: Okay, I like that. Okay, I just want to know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like that.
1: Jake Majors is short stack because he, he like because he likes pancakes.
2: Oh, okay. I okay, thought maybe because he was a short offensive lineman.
1: Uh, Cole Hudson either has the best one or the worst one. Cole Hudson is sprinkles. Okay, what's he that likes
2: for? Sprinkles, he like on sprinkles on his on desserts. Yeah.
1: Christian Jones says like sprinkles on a cake.
2: Hey, man, I was like a lineman. I was sprinkles on, on cupcakes and cakes, though, too. Uh, and They're then Christian guy.
1: Jones is Hitman. Uh,
2: obviously self-explanatory.
1: Who, when Cedric, Cedric Gold, buddy, said Golden, asked... Christian Jones, you ever, Hitman, you ever seen the Tom, uh, the Marvin Hagler-Tommy Hearns fight? And <laughs> Christian Jones goes, I have no idea what you're talking he, about. He knows Those are names man, I've him. never like, even heard of. I told him, I said, just Google Hearns Hagler and go down the YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> and you'll thank me later.
2: Wow. <laughs> I'm man, surprised you, you know. didn't follow up, no. Jeff,
3: with the Brett the Hitman heart. <laughs> oh, I didn't true. even think about that. Oh, yeah. he definitely don't know who that he guy. The, is. I don't even watch wrestling. I just, I just, I
1: just had one of those. I just had one of those. While wow, I'm getting old, moments when you make a Hearns Hackler reference and no, somebody has no idea what you're mm. talking about. Yeah, no, it's definitely revealing your age. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's that's a nutshell of the Texas offense. I do want to talk about the Texas defense. And Rod, like I said, the main thing I found was that first UTSA drive. That's where about half the missed tackles in this game came from.
2: Yeah, I mean what I love about the defense is they made adjustments. There were adjustments made. I mean there I'm you know, I'm starting to identify things that I, I think you could if you are equipped to, you could exploit against the Texas defense. But it's not it's not a laundry list and Remember what I said last year, as long as it's not the same <laughs> ish as last year. Because every team's going to have, you mm-hmm. know, weaknesses. That's just life. That's just happens. You know, you deal with that. as You solve the problem as a coach. But as long as it's not the same issues that existed last year, like, you know, being terrible in the – defending the C and D gaps mm-hmm. on your runs, uh, you know, the deep ball, which I will say Ryan Watts, a concern might be, because uh, I've heard Mike Griff talk about this. Um, and I remember it being concerned with Quentin Jammer, stiff hips. He yeah. wants to be, and I, he's on the boundary, he's so it's a big better. Dude. But he's got stiff hips, and, yeah. and and big tall corners usually got stiff hips. They do. Mm-hmm. All right, it's hard usually, to
1: bend when you're six three yeah, than you when you're five eleven. You are 511 you have the most
2: fluid hips, so if you can get them, you know, at the line of scrimmage, you can get off the line without them getting their hands on you, rerouting you. Yeah, there's a chance downfield you might have an advantage. I have them read wrong, take a uh, wrong step. Yeah, and exactly. Can't and really good wide receivers, they're able to do that. And they picked on Ryan Watts. Jeff mm-hmm. Taylor basically mm-hmm. said, "You know what? We can we can pick on this guy." Yeah. And they picked on him. And I think the reason is because they look at is once, except once he either wins or loses at the line of scrimmage, I think because of the lack of hip fluidity, sometimes he's at a disadvantage downfield.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, I think. I don't have my chart in front of me. I think he missed two tackles on that first drive. I know one for sure, and I think maybe two mm. he missed on that first drive. Yeah, uh, and you know Zachary Franklin kind of got him off balance. Uh, you know, I think they. I think he ran it like uh, like probably five six yard out on a third and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of got him got him off kilter a little bit. Yeah. Uh But you know, before I talk about the red zone, are, am I in my head? Because I'm FF I'm working on one. I'm working on a story on this for Horns twenty four seven, because I've got some quotes from guys on it. Am I in my head making too big of a deal out of PK being on the sideline calling games from the sideline and not the press box? As far as that changing things, maybe no. streamlining why, things for guys.
2: Why is that not a big deal? It's part of the adjustments they made no yeah i'm saying improve. i'm
1: saying i think it's i think it's a pretty significant deal yeah, i'm just i'm too. just wondering am i am i overblown and am i overblown no, overdoing I it i think
2: it's a big deal okay. i really do okay, well, and and every coach is so different right we talked mm-hmm. about this with tom herman right cuz tom herman yep. once he started calling in plays he was one of those guys that wanted to be up Right, up in the box, calling the plays. Because that's how And he, he, yeah, and that's what he was used to. And as a head coach, that would be highly, un, you know, yeah. highly unorthodox yeah. for you to be up there calling plays. Coaches do it from the sideline. Unless
1: you're a human freeze from the hospital bed.
2: Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but I think it's a for for, for coaches to break it down. To, to the Tom Herman example, he was a Mensa meathead, right? Yeah, there was a part of him that was Mensa. He was a really smart guy. Um, and I think when he was in the box, right, when he was in the box calling, he could calling plays. He could disconnect from the emotion of yes. the sideline, mm-hmm. and then he could just be the Mensa guy calling yep. plays, right, separated from the chaos. But on the sideline, you cannot separate yourself from the chaos. You are in it. Matter of fact, sometimes the emotion fuels your play calling. I've talked to people with the channel about it. It's like, no, sometimes I want it. all yeah. right? I want to know what my quarterback's seeing. I want to know instantly. And some mm-hmm. coaches, they don't want that. They want their coaches to, to, to communicate what the players are seeing to them yeah. in a way that is constructive for them, and they know the language and the terminology. But some coaches are like, no, hell no. I want to talk to my players. I want to know exactly what X-Men's seeing. I want to know exactly what the players are saying. And I actually prefer that way, too. I think I'd probably want to be on the sideline if I was calling plays. But I'd love the view. Mm-hmm. Right of the all 22, the coach's yep. view. So you got to have a, you must have eyes you really trust up there yep. that are able to communicate very quickly in that 30 to 45 seconds that you got to call a play and to get personnel in exactly what you need to hear and what you need to see. Don't tell me too much information because mm-hmm. I ain't got time for that. Yep. But tell have me what run. I need to hear, what I need to see, which means you need to know the system and you need to know me as a play caller really well. So I, I believe they got Blake Gideon up there.
1: Like, do you have two? Yeah, because you have uh, almost like a radio. Producer. You only have two full time. Yes, exactly. You only right. Have, give me the information that. I need to hear. Yeah. Don't give me too much though. No. You only have two full time assistants in the booth: uh, AJ Millwey and Blake Gideon. That's it. One on offense, one on defense. Eyes, the other eight yeah. coaches are all on the sideline.
2: So those are your eyes up there. You got to really trust that guy. And you know what? Yep. For me. As an, a guy who was taught most of my you know, football theory from Coach Dwayne Aquino. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I know that Coach Gideon was also taught a lot of his by Coach Dwayne yep. Aquino. But this is a guy who's a coach's son. guy that got extremely high football IQ. Hell, even as a freshman. He was coaching Earl on the DB, field. Exactly. Starting at DBU. Started more games at DBU than any other player in DBU history. You know who else uh, Blake that-
1: Gideon learned from? Learned a lot of football from? His pops. <laughs> and... Will champ.
2: and Will <laughs> Muschamp, <laughs>
1: our spirit animal here on Longhorn. Blitz. So I,
2: I, I trust Blake Gideon's eyes. I yeah. do. I trust his eyes in terms of being able to see the game. So that's the whole thing about being on the sideline and being in the booth. It's different for everybody, man. Some some players, some coaches don't like it to be that close to the players and that connected because that emotion screws yeah. up their play calling. Yeah, but some coaches are like, no, no, I want my play called influenced by my team. They yep. need to. I want them to know. Oh, y'all want to go for two? Let's mm. go for two, damn. Let's yep. go. You know what I mean? Like some, coaches, some coaches don't like that. Yeah, it just depends.
1: Maybe uh, it's it's just interesting because I know PK met with Dan Quinn in the off season, and Dan Quinn uh, is he's, he's a guy that he guy. calls it from the, he from likes the press it. box. Yeah. yeah, but Dan Quinn might be one of those guys that no, I can't. You know. I'm too crazy. I have to remove myself from that <laughs> chaos. I have to remove myself from that situation yeah. and be in a sanctuary up here where I can cuss and throw spit cups and whatnot and yeah. just be in my own little bubble. Here.
2: Exactly. It just depends on where you work Because Sark, obviously. Uh as a head coach, but even when he was a uh, play caller, mm-hmm. I believe he was a sideline He's he a field guy, mm-hmm. he said. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so like, it, it just depends. Everybody's there are times
3: different. when it's different. Like, I know that Lane Kiffin's on the sideline now, but back in the USC days, he was up at the top. Was he that's okay? eyes that you trust with him because Sark was on the field and they're best friends. So, like, that thing Anything? makes sense.
1: But I think, Rob, that goes back to the PK thing. I think it goes back to better edge play because I asked Ovia Gofu about it on Monday. And I said, what's the, for you, because he's your, hmm. I said, he's your position coach. Hmm. So what's the biggest benefit? He said, he said the face-to-face interaction after series. He said, no, he said, no question that's better.
3: Yep.
2: And that's yeah. big. Yeah. And that's no, the I, thing came with
3: Shanahan. Yeah.
2: No, I, I just think, I wonder, you know, last season, why that wasn't kind of suggested earlier. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I wonder, because, I mean, you had all season, but, you know, that, that, that was an issue from game one all the way to the end of the season.
3: Well, and um, so, we had always talked about the h- aspect that him and Jimmy Lake worked so well together back at Washington. Because I assume back yeah. when back in the day, was he up in the booth at I Washington? I don't. I've not. I haven't. That. He, I haven't heard that, that. So I don't I'll, know. I'll
1: go back was. and look I, at I that. assumed yeah. he was yeah.
3: because he was here. Yeah, but I just haven't found. Out. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
1: maybe that relationship with he and Terry Joseph. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, uh,
2: they, so is, who's who's the pass game coordinator still? Still
1: Terry, Terry Joseph. Joseph
2: yeah. Okay. So maybe. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe now they're both on the sideline. They can coordinate because I would say the coordination of the defense is better overall. When well, so being that, and the, have, the coverages now actually match up and are compatible with the pressure packages. and, and GP's, if you got,
1: GP's like, down on the field there, too. He's not in the box, so He's maybe down on the that's
2: field. yeah. I, if you think about Gideon too, growing up being a coach's
3: kid, you know, like you're almost used to having that type of booth view. It reminded me of like Lane Kiffin grew up around the football game, and his dad was a coach, you know, at D.C., so, like, if you're a coach's kid, you probably have been in a press box a time or two and Very are used true. to be, watching those situations. So, like, maybe for Gideon, it's not as much of a transition as it would be for other people or, or former player that doesn't have that that's only been on the
2: field. Yeah, but the adjustments are better, and that's yep. that's all about communication about what the players are seeing on the field and the adjustments and scheme, adjustments to the scheme that the coaches are making. So I think now that is a, you know, now that's more of a fluid communication. I remember when hearing about that, the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, that Dak Prescott, when he would come off the field, he would tell Kellen Moore what was going on in the field, and Kellen Moore would deliver the information to the OC at the time. I forget his uh, name Scott uh, Linehan Linehan yes, yes. Uh, And then I was like That is so weird yeah. I was in old set, like I want to talk to my damn quarterback Get you know, yeah. on you know, this damn phone Tell me what's going on And he was like He wanted to talk to But it was just his preference but I yeah. think it's a weird preference. D- Good boy. D- 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 yeah. D- Dak has talked <laughs> yeah. about
3: that you know relationship that he has. White, more though, yeah. that was his boy. Like, he was able t- to articulate his thoughts maybe better to the old coach up in the booth. That's true because he's because coach's son. Yep, there you so go. I, exactly.
2: Another, so I think I think it's a lot about the terminology and the language that, that coach wants to receive too.
1: By the way, mm-hmm. Kellen Moore calls him from the sideline.
2: Yeah, side former player. Yeah. yeah, former quarterback. Like a
0: yeah.
3: Sark,
2: you know. He got to be a sideline coach too. Yeah,
3: former player.
1: I think now, Rod in college, especially college football. With as much with as many personnel packages on both sides, I mean, you're going from dime, nickel. You want to change fronts, whatever. Um, I think most of those guys have to be on the sideline just to be able to manage rotations. Organize the chaos. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just and like if you think about the Texas staff, right? Like to shard Choice. Okay, as many running backs as you're running through there, you want your running backs coach down there to handle rotations. Brennan Marion's your pass game coordinator. That's a good point, uh, man. Jeff Banks is your special teams coach. He has to be on the sideline. I agree
2: with you, man. With, <laughs> with
1: Kyle Flood and Bo Davis, your your line coaches yes. aren't press box guys. They're they're field guys for sure. I dude. never thought about that. And going right. back to kind of the, I'll call it the P. Kwiatkowski circle of trust, like he's got Terry Joseph down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he himself is down there now. Gary Patterson's down there. And Jeff Choate's down there. And those guys have actually worked together. So maybe for PK, it's just – you would think it'd be more chaotic, but maybe the communications more streamlined, where he can maybe PK's just better face to face than he is talking and to somebody I over the. I totally
2: agree, and yeah. I think it's it's all it's different for every coach. Every coach has got a different style. As we in was the way about. that co- in college, you can have as many
3: analysts you want. You can have those guys have the responsibilities up top. You know, if you need eyes, being able to look at whatever.
1: Uh, I do so. want to talk about this defense, Rod. One thing I've noticed, and we talk about the adjustments they made in this game. Because I, I thought the missed tackles were one, but that first UTSA drive and spe- sometimes in the first half, we saw some of the issues we saw last year where it's like, their just alignment was off. They were getting out leveraged, outnumbered. It just, things just seemed off kilter, but they adjusted. I love how this defense is playing in the red zone. Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think seven opponent possessions in the red zone, the Texas only given up two touchdowns for mm-hmm. the first two ball games, believe yeah. so. The, the nice first game. three ballgames. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, guy's making plays. Anthony Cook makes a textbook tackle, runs his feet on contact right at the one-yard line. Deshaun Jameson with a PBU in the end zone. Nice and, PBU. And don't want to belabor this point, but you guys see the formation UTSA lined up in when they were going to go for it on fourth and goal at the one?
2: Yeah, I saw you talking about that.
1: The Tom Herman, Dana, yeah. I stole I this from Dana Holgerson formation. Yeah. I love it. If you got a quarterback like Frank Harris, it's almost indefensible, right? You've either got an option route to the field. Yep you've got your, your bunch to the boundary where you can throw the screen mm-hmm. or if it clears out if you got a mobile quarterback you just call the draw yep I love it
2: it's, so they, if they, they gonna it, basically they have one to two choices and one, two, one or two of them also could be wrong yeah in terms of what they got to defend if, yep. you're a de- if you're a defense yeah
1: I love it but everybody jumped off sides and they settled for a field goal but I uh, rod I just love the uh short yardage it's basically. One thing we talked about, man, and I know UTSA third downs were not good for Texas in this game, but, man, situational football, this team is getting so much better on defense than they football were like last you.
2: year. It's definitely football like you. Just understanding situations better.
1: You know, like the fourth down stop they had, two things stood out to me about that. One, that was the overshone targeting call, which we, we've got to get to here in just a second as we start to wrap this up. But the tar- the tackle that Tuck made, Frank Harris is trying to get to the line of game, and again. Oh, yeah makes this. a tackle short of the line of gain, runs his feet on contact, denies the ball carrier a first down, and then the push Coburn got on the – I think Coburn's push rushed that throw because the throw was offline. The oh, you're talking about like the
2: wide receiver tunnel screen on yeah. fourth and one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It should still should have caught it. I mean, still should
1: have caught it, but I thought Coburn's push, I think – I thought No, yeah, like he rushed the throw, throw a little over. off.
2: Yeah, no, it was a good play too because he catches it. He's definitely going to get the first down. For sure. Um, no, I'm with you on that. I think situation – I think it's football IQ. I think guys are now – like I said, they're, they last year they were defending, I think, every possible scenario and every possible play. And now I think guys are seriously defending three to four possibilities because they've watched the film. They know the tendencies. They know the weaknesses. they become great football – invest or better football investigators. And they know now, well, out of this formation, um, out of – with this down, this distance, with this personnel, there's a chance of them running – this play, this play, this play, and this play, and those are the plays I'm mostly going to defend right now. And it makes you and and, and by the way, t- most of the time you're right about those, and you know you can end up making quicker plays on the football. Um, and I think that's why they're in a better position, and there's more speed on the field, and a pass rush helps. But they still got a lot of pressure on Frank Harris. They couldn't mm-hmm. could get to him, but they still got a lot of pressure on Frank Harris. Pressure helps. Yep. There's no defense that can operate at all unless you're. Creating a situation where you can oppose affect the opposing quarterback and put pressure on them, and now they're doing it at a much higher rate and frequency.
3: Yep, and I pulled the red zone numbers. It looks like two for ten are Texas's opponents on the season for touchdowns, and that's on a total of thirty-four plays. It was three plays against ULM, and they were zero for one overall in the red zone. Twelve plays for Bama, they were one for five and nineteen plays in the red zone for UTSA and they were 1 for 4.
2: Yeah, and and the play calling is also changing in situationally. I I've been just tracking like third downs and third longs and you go track, you know, the red zones. Their Texas defense is a little more aggressive. They're they're using and utilizing more cheat codes, I guess you could call them, on defense, whether it be twists and stunts, whether it be Mm -hmm. blitzing players. uh, And obviously they play a lot of bump and run, but sometimes you'll see them play both corners, playing bump and run if they can, if the formation allows them to. They're being more aggressive. I think that's Gary Patterson's influence mostly, that, hey, man, situationally, when you get in the red zone, when you get in third down, when you get in third long, you got to tee it up. I mean, that is no time for you to go, all right, we're going to go vanilla here, we're going to play base here. We're gonna just play shell here, like no, no, no. That is not the time. That is the time you gotta you gotta throw all of it at them, and you gotta get more aggressive and more creative and more exotic. And I'm seeing tendencies like that on the certain situations, yeah. certain situations. One
1: thing I've noticed too: a lot less blitzing of the safeties this year. Your blitzes, your DB blitzes, are coming from your corners and nickels.
2: Yep, and they like to blitz some linebackers.
1: Yeah, you're leaving your you're letting your safeties hang back.
2: Yep, they are. Yeah. I agree with you on that too. I've noticed that, no question. I don't know if it's an automatic thing based on formation and scheme that
1: week or whatever. We'll, but. we'll see because it's going to evolve. It's going to have to evolve this week because you're, you're going to face a passing game this week that you haven't, even uh, though it, it, it would be different if, oh, t- if okay. Tyler Shuck was in there. But Donovan, yeah. Smith, and, and Donovan th- Smith and running that Zach Kittley offense—it's a, a little bit of a different animal. Yeah. Um, but let's get to the overshone targeting call. Uh, as I was just checking Twitter as we sit here recording this. I haven't seen anything, and I don't have any kind of email from Texas. Or
3: It's one thirty on Tuesday. Yeah, I so
1: I haven't seen anything that would suggest that that has been resolved yet. It is at the – they so, so basically how it works now. This is a whole new process in 2022. If you're called for targeting in the second half, which carries a first-half suspension for the following game, which I think is an idiotic rule to begin with, you can appeal that suspension. You can appeal the targeting call. So Texas files it with the conference – The conference doesn't do anything other than on Texas' behalf, submits it to the NCAA. Steve Shaw, who's the uh, coordinator, national coordinator of officials, he will review the tape and render a final verdict. I don't think it's going to be a deal where DeMarvian Overshown's getting on the plane to go to Lubbock Friday, and that's when he finds out, oh, hey, by the way, you're still suspended for the first half. I would think it's going to happen before then. When, I don't know, because this is an entirely new process.
2: Uh, Yeah, it is. um, I mean, and the initial, like, targeting call, mm. right? Because it, it was two – because basically there's a roughing the passer, right? Yeah. The part of this, and then the targeting is the helmet. Right? Yeah. Are we talking – No, about
1: there was no roughing the passer. There call. was no, no roughing
3: the passer? Mm-mm.
2: No, no, they didn't call it.
3: They just they called didn't the call only targeting because only the helmet hit the helmet. The
1: booth initiated the targeting review.
3: Because <laughs> otherwise it was a good play. It, otherwise, got, it, was, it was a, a huge
2: stop.
1: You think about the Now, the safety in the Alabama game, that was one where they initially called roughing the passer with targeting. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. Um, yeah, I – It's weird to me. I don't know because I watched the play a ton and Mm -hmm. I I don't think I saw it targeting. I would say say if it was a rough in the past, I think you could maybe throw that out there potentially if you want because now there's a new rule about protecting the quarterback Mm -hmm. as a defenseless player.
3: that's what this technicality was. Yes,
2: and I was thinking like, oh, I could see that, all right? Mm Uh, but not the targeting call. So hopefully the NCAA, which they are reviewing it, yeah. right? not yes. the Big 12, and that's hopefully where, they'll yeah. see something different. Yeah,
3: too. that'd be big. Yeah, I don't want the Big 12 ruling on anything at this point against Texas. But if you're looking at mm. the overall, just the technicalities of the rule, because the helmet did hit a helmet. The thing was, was the idea of targeting with the crown, crown. that didn't yeah. happen. Overshawn's head was up. He didn't lead with the head. He was actually going in for a tackle against a dual-threat quarterback. That literally changed his – point. It changed the launching point. He went to go evade Overshone because he doesn't see Overshone. Overshone flashes through the line out yeah. of nowhere, and at that second, Frank Harris just reacts to try to not get tackled, and he bl- moves down a couple inches, and that little bit of movement down made the middle of his helmet be where the chin of Overshone was. Toward that, That's where helmet-to-helmet contact happened, but if you're looking at technically the way the rule writes, if it's just targeting and not defenseless... It shouldn't be targeting, but I don't know if they incorporate that new defenseless aspect yeah. into targeting.
1: That That is uh, technically it does fall under the rule. I just think it's an idiotic rule. Agreed. You've got to rewrite that thing to give officials the flexibility to legislate intent on exactly. targeting. You've got to give game officials that. Like, you, you gotta, there's too much gray area. In it. Actually, there's not enough gray area in it. Uh, you've got to be able to legislate intent. I'm with you, Rod. If you wanna, if you wanna say that's roughing the passer,
2: that's what I say. You can say that to me. That, I, I will, that's one of those uh, rules. he had like the ball. He sacked him. <laughs>
1: well,
3: <laughs> he,
2: didn't
1: even, he didn't even. But I mean, you get, you, 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 you get to say like it was being a guy's trying to knock a pass on or a follow through, and yeah, his hand accidentally yeah. Yeah. hits the quarterback's head. That's called roughing the passer. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. can almost say anything's Roughing the passer. Yeah, if you want to give him 15 yards, whatever. I think that's dumb, but whatever you want to do but that's not a play that should get a kid ejected from a game no. suspended for the first half of the next game.
3: It was yeah. a great play. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't think Overstone could do anything because it was yeah. so bam-bam that Frank Harris moved into the direction that ended up making their helmets touch each other as Overstone literally is, like, standing up trying to almost – do the modern, not follow through, drive the quarterback, which like say when Dallas Turner did that to Tech, that was a driving through to Ewers into the mm-hmm. ground. That didn't happen here at all.
1: We've only got a couple minutes left. we got to wrap this up, but let's talk about Texas Tech real quick. What concerns me about this game, guys, has nothing to do with anything Tech is going to do on either side of the ball. It's the fact that this team is going on the road for the first time this year. They were not very good on the road last year, and Sark's record as a head coach on the road is 13-26. and 26. That stuff concerns me infinitely more than anything Texas Tech on not bring to the table.
2: Uh, no, I agree. I think, you know, with now their backup quarterbacks, Donovan Smith. Yeah. He's volatile. Um, he can make some plays, but he also, he'll make a lot of mistakes and pick bad Pick six in each of the last two games. Fourth and one, I think mm-hmm. he threw a pick six too. Ooh, that, was, that hurt. It's like an 80-something yarder. Uh, so I think, Texas, if they can throw a lot of exotic looks at him, if they can confuse him earlier on, all you got to do is neutralize his legs. Pretty much it's just either what they've done early on against Frank Harris, like either rush him uh, with a blitz, stay in your, your rush lanes, or just put a spy on him, which they did later on in the game, and I think that's probably the best thing to do. Because I, I don't – the wide receivers and the tight ends have a lot of size for Tech, but they don't scare me. No. I'm a Texas you know, Texas defender. I'm not scared of those guys, and I don't know if Donovan Smith can make all the throws. Yeah. Um, so I, I do. I think Texas, even with a backup quarterback, if Hudson Carr is going to be the guy, I still think they should win this game. I haven't looked at the line. I Think Texas is favored by what five, four, five, four and a half. I think it
1: ten? climbed up to. Oh, it up, right? it I like think it climbed up, up to like six this morning. I mean, somewhere. I, I
2: know there. Sark got a bad road record, and I know this team is a team that hadn't, at least last season, handled a lot of adversity very well. Uh, but this season so far, they've proved to be a different team, yeah. especially when they handle adversity. I'm with you. I'm not necessarily concerned schematically or with any specific personnel uh, piece of Texas Tech, but I am concerned about how this team is going to respond to the success they've had and the adversity they will inevitably face when they go to Lubbock.
1: The yeah. adversity will come before the game, Rod. We've seen in-game adversity. Each of the last, each of the first three games, it will be before the game. How quickly can you take that crowd of it that make that road environment a factor? Mm-hmm. Make that a how quickly can you do that? How quickly can you get this to a point? Because Rod, you you played in hostile road environments at some point. That kind of fades out. From guys talk about this all the time. At some point, that kind of fades out, and it just becomes a football game. Yep. How quickly for Texas can you get to the point where okay, now we're just playing a football game?
3: Take the crowd out of it. Yep, and that's why it being at 2.30 is actually a benefit to Texas, not a night game. There's something about night yeah. games in Lubbock and those kids getting to drink all day and that place being wild. 2.30 is like that perfect in the middle. It's not where you're worried about 11 a.m. college kids kick off. Who knows what's going to happen. 2.30 is like the one where you don't get the night aspect. You don't have to worry about that early morning, slow-ass start. 2.30 is good. Right now Texas is up to 6.5. The over-unders went. Up from five fifty, eight and a half to sixty, so more points, and it's all going in Texas direction. So basically Tex stayed the same. Texas has been favored by one and a half more points overall with the total. And, yeah, Donovan Smith, he's the type of guy that he's like that YOLO quarterback that he's going to make, try to make every throw. He'll fit he it in. He's fearless, but it's bordering on dangerous and dumb. It's,
2: yeah, I will say, it's fearless, but, he's but fearless. also careless. Yes, exactly. He's fearless and, and careless. And
3: same thing with his feet. His feet, He can run like that. If It was, again, the Houston. Texas keeps playing teams that just played Houston, but the Donovan Smith game is a perfect, you talk about the pick six that got Houston back in the game, but then he goes running for touchdowns to clinch games. You know, like he's that double threat where you have to worry about his arm enough because he'll throw it wherever, but also you can't just leave him back there because he can take off. It's
2: one, of the, it's one of the things that I think Texas defense can be exploited with is a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. But honestly, every defense can be exploited yeah. by a dual threat. Quarterback. It's a hack. So I don't think it's anything specific to Texas. I just nope. That's just really think tackle tough. Him. Yeah,
1: that that guy's natural ability can make your call wrong. You could yeah. have the perfect blitz dialed up. Exactly. You could have it the perfect coverage and. He ad-libs, and a guy run does the right thing on a scramble drill, and all of a sudden your right call is wrong.
3: Exactly. And then the air raid versus Kwiatkowski, see how that goes. Yep.
1: Yeah, and the fact that Texas has won six in a row in Lubbock, that also makes me nervous. I'm like, man, don't you – Jesus. What you do for one at some point, or may, I don't know, maybe just keep it rolling. Who knows? That's
3: crazy. I guess all the way back to LA, They haven't Texas. lost
1: one since the Crabtree game.
3: Yep, and Bijan gets to go back to the place where he defied all human body mechanics and got his scorpion leg, and that was totally fine. <laughs>
1: Bijan Robinson and Brock Lesnar the two people I've seen suffer what would be catastrophic neck injuries that would put most people in wheelchairs, be
0: quadriplegics for the rest of their lives, and
1: they thrived afterwards. Walked away from it.
2: I ain't actually jogged away
0: yeah. <laughs> Introducing the 2-Way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-way for yourself at NewBalance.com.
1: All right, uh, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the horn 104 on AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app at HornFM.com, where you can get Rod B. and Mike Harge each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Same as You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz Soundcloud page. Yep,
3: just type in Longhorn Blitz.
1: Search Horns 247 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five star review.
0: Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game.